welcome to Hey Great Shots. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Halloween edition of the Great Shot Podcast. My name is Alex Gruskin. West off right off the back. I need jack-o'-lanterns ringing in the background. I need the Wicked Witch of the West laughing. Give me some lightning. Give me some spooky. Because as Rothman mentioned, a special edition of today's podcast joining me as he always does it is my doubles partner partner in crime and a man who probably goes as himself for halloween every year maxwell the bauer rothman maxi hey great shot well it's funny that you say that because i actually did just get off the phone with my grandfather who told me that i am scary enough looking as it is as a person to be myself for halloween so uh, you're not wrong. I do apologize to anyone for that terrible, spooky entrance. I thought about that for all of three and a half seconds, and that's what came out. So uh, you're welcome. Oh, I love to hear it. Also joining us today, making his return to the Great Shop podcast, Westoff, if possible, cue the applause. It is former Denison men's tennis superstar, Crack Rackets, do it all. And I'm sorry, Matt Stokowiak, but the third member of the Great Shop podcast, Holy Trinity, it is everyone's favorite, James Foster McDonald, Jamie. Hey, great shot. Hi, Gruskin. Happy Halloween, buddy. How's it going? I'm, I'm doing well. I gave the eyebrows a little bit of a shave so that it would look a little creepier for you guys tonight, as you guys can see me through blue jeans. How's it great. look? Just as bad as always. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear it. And yeah, you know, we are happy to have you back, Jamie. Obviously, it's been a little bit, and there's been a ton of tennis to talk about. Um, you know, off the bat, anything on the top of your mind? No. No tennis in my <laughs> mind. That's why I'm here, just to sit here and listen. No, this is going to be great. There's been a ton of tennis going on. We're in the swing of Paris now, which is fun. Jack Sock got a win. Wow. In singles. Sorry, I need to specify. Yeah. In singles. That is a Halloween treat indeed. A treat or a trick? Is he just fooling us into it could thinking be a he trick. can make a run in it Paris? It could be a trick. You're right. It yeah, could it... be. Although Wes Gruskin, off, can we get a badunch? I believe Gruskin, it was you though who still was holding out for sock in this tournament though. When I was trying to say if there's anything on your mind, I was trying to bait you into that debate mm. early. If you've been missing any of the tennis, as Jamie mentioned, there's been so much going on. Make sure you go check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. We've got Alex Gornett with his weekly drop shots, recapping all of the stories in the tennis world. Ryan Cardiff with his continuing coverage of the college tennis as well as the futures and challengers tour you know it gives you a recap every week we've got matt stokoyak the wonder kid doing it all you know the personification of tennis cocaine right now his focus is on the college contenders he just released his first piece it i think it's a 10-part series talking about the top 10 teams in college tennis the first team he's talking about number 10 florida who Rothman, Jamie, we haven't gotten into the college tennis side, but that's the obvious dark horse pick for this year's national title. So what a piece to start with. Obviously, the rest of the team, Anna Bright, Parson Amati, Bo Trays, James Sophia. Also, I'm going to make a specific mention here, a new addition, Kale Hammond, who's going to be coming on today's Changeover Chat to talk about his new series on Crack Rackets, uh, which is a betting series. We're going to get into the gambling side of tennis. That's going to be a ton of fun, so stick around for that. Also, which will also be interesting our- considering all of our bets from <laughs> the past <laughs> pods have been terrible, so hopefully he, uh, he actually can choose some winners for you all. I was going to say, now that it's a series, it counts. Before, it was just for fun. But now, we're trying to yeah, formalize yeah. this. Only the real deal stuff. All, as always, we're going to ask you, follow our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Dalton's been on a huge Facebook bend recently. Uh, <laughs> so if you could, please just get us over the hump. I think we're very close to 1,000 followers on Facebook, but I, I just need to stop getting those texts every morning. So please follow us there. Gruskin, clearly you don't use Facebook enough because it's not followers. They are likes of the page. Uh, that's, that is how much of a Luddite you are. But, uh, a Luddite. Well, that's a big word for you. Hey, great shot. You've used that <laughs> twice now. So <laughs> I get something I, new. <laughs> I would also say anyone who got an invite from me on Facebook for Crack Rackets, that was Dalton. I've ceded control of my account to him. So I apologize for that. Also, as always, we'll ask you, listen, rate, subscribe, review to the Cracked Interviews podcast, as well as this podcast, the Great Shot podcast. You know, we've had a ton of great guests there. Rothman, you actually made a host appearance on the Cracked Interviews podcast recently. You want to talk about it? That I did. Yeah, I, I was going to say I'd had a great interview with former USC star Ray Sarmiento. Uh, we shared the same coach growing up, obviously, you know, him a lot 
before me, but uh, it definitely was great getting to catch up with him, hear about you know his three different championship teams and uh, debating you know which ones were better and which ones he'd thought would win if they all played each other. It was fun. Um, but I also want to bring up two other things, Alex. Well, can that... I ask you real quick about the Ray interview? Just because I did, obviously, being the person that I am, have a list of questions for him I wanted you to ask. What did he think about my take, the 2011 final best match in college history? I mean, <laughs> obviously, he loves that. I mean, he, <laughs> he, th- he thought it was probably one of the best. Um, funny enough, he is not the biggest college tennis historian out there he's very much struggled on alex's trivia um (laughs) but uh he he definitely thinks it could be up there oh i'm I'm, i appreciate that you called it alex's trivia even though it was your crack interviews podcast it's all about that brand recognition yeah yeah i I knew you would get i knew you'd get hard to that so i figured i'd I'd do that for you i appreciate you saying that and i feel bad because we bring jamie on and we haven't let him talk for like five minutes you wanted to say two alex i was gonna say yeah before we move on i do also want to mention and i'm sure if you follow any of our social media we have a tennis tournament coming up that is our first professional tournament that cracked rackets is sponsoring and hosting it will be in indianapolis on december 14th through the 16th should be a great time most of the cracked racket squad will be there so uh, if you're in the area please please come on by it should be awesome as well there we will be launching our first event for the cracked rackets foundation uh, and stay tuned for more details on you know what's to come with that Absolutely. We'll hold the West off sound effect until we can give the full story, but really excited for both of those things. You know, obviously all of us at the Cracked Rackets team are putting a lot of focus in that, but the year is not over. There is still 2018 tennis to talk about, and that's what we're going to be doing on today's podcast. You know, obviously we're recording this on Wednesday night, October 31st, in the midst of the Paris Masters event, the final Masters event of the year on the ATP side. We are not going to get into those results today. We will talk about that tournament in full later on. Well, we are going to talk about an event that is right around the corner, the next-gen ATP finals, and we're going to preview that event. This is the second annual event. Obviously, this is an event for players 21 and under to feature the young superstars in our game. We'll talk about the players, the guidelines, the abbreviated format, how they change the scoring, all of, touch on all of those things and give our opinions on that. Let's get right into this. Uh, again, as a reminder for the fans, we said this is the second annual event. If you don't remember, starting January 1st, the players on the ATP Tour start accumulating points for all of the tournaments they play. The guideline for this finals event, the top seven 21 and under players who accumulate the most points throughout the season. This in- includes ATP events, challengers events, even futures events, if you know you can do that well in the futures. <laughs> it counts. And all of this adds up throughout the year. The top seven players get guaranteed entry. The eighth spot is given to an Italian wild card, with this event being hosted in Milan. Obviously the host country gets a wild card you know Rothman let's just start there it's the second year of this event we have heard so many young guys talk about qualifying for this as a goal of theirs for the season this is a great idea I I just don't understand you know where was this before I, I don't know I think there's been a lot of those questions about the tennis world in general you know why haven't things changed why why are certain Tournaments not happening, and so yeah, I, I don't have an explanation for you, but it is awesome. Obviously, there is a very strong field this year. Could have been slightly stronger if you know a few of those twenty-one and unders that uh, are not playing, including Zverev and, and Shapo, played. But still, going to be a very competitive field this year. Absolutely, and all right, let, let's start with the list before we get into all of these individual guys. And this will be our first question: comparing the two years. 2017 field versus 2018. In 2017, you had Hyun Chung, Borna Choric, Daniil Medvedev, Karen Kiachnov, as we like to say on Kiachnov. this podcast. You had Shapovalov, you had Rublev, you had Donaldson, and you had Quincy, the Italian wildcard, who's a former junior Wimbledon champion. For this year's field, 
We have Stefano Tsitsipas accumulating the most points. Alex Dimenauer second. Francis Tiafo third. Taylor Fritz fourth. Andre Rublev fifth. Jamie, but it might be Jaume. I'm not really sure how to say it. Munar. And Hubert Hurkacz in sixth and seventh. And then the Italian wildcard tournament still to be played. We'll kick this one to you, Jamie. Better field, 2017 or 2018? Ooh, I kind of went back on fourth on this, but... I think I was really just giving the edge to 2018 because it's now. I think 2017, when you look at it, it just has the better talent. And I know that's a little bit, it can be a little bit biased because you look at it now and the people you're looking at, the names you're looking at are now a year older. But I still think that tournament versus the one we're seeing this year, I'd rather watch the 2017 one. Rothman, same question to you. Yeah, it's really hard to, to think back. And even looking at records for the guys in 2017 and, and not thinking about the bias of how their 2018 seasons were. Um, oh, man. I, here's here's what I'll say. 2017 probably was more entertaining. I think that the quality of tennis this year might be better. However, I think adding Zverev and Shapo to this year's uh lineup a thousand percent better better quality more entertaining all the above would be better well you know as you mentioned just like last year this year alex zverev elects not to play the difference is last year he was the only guy of the top eight to pull out this year you had both zverev and shapovalov pulling out of this year's event Uh, some stats for you listeners in terms of the points accumulated by the top seven, and I'm going to throw out the Italian wild card because it's an arbitrary player and, you know, that's a result of one tournament. The top seven guys in 2017, they accumulated 6,633 points in total. That That's really good. A lot of these, again, you look at this field, so many of them now having success. Five of the eight guys currently in the ATP top 30, four of those guys inside the ATP top 20. The only one are really two players to drop were Rublev and Donaldson, and both of them had injury issues throughout the year. This year's crop, though, 9,019 points accumulated. I mean, that is an incredible number, and it's a testament to, you know, Tsitsipas makes this jump, fringe of the top 100 to the top 15. Dimenauer makes this jump, I think, right around 200 to the top 30. Tiafo, Fritz established themselves in the top 50. You know, one through seven last year's field may have been a little bit deeper, but the guys at the top of the field this year had better seasons than their counterpart in 2017. And for that reason, I think I'm I'm going to go with the 2018 field. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, and imagine the point differential also if Shapo was in there. It would be even more drastic. I agree. The, again, you drop Zverev out both times, so that's not a factor. You're right. I didn't include Shapovalov. If he's in this field, I don't think it's a question. I, I just, no. you know, with Munar and Hercatch, and we'll be butchering that pronunciation the entire pod, the depth isn't the same, but assuming those top four guys are really ready to go, it, it could be a very fun tournament. And, you know, with that, let's talk a little bit about the format, because for our listeners who don't remember, you know, the scoring changes, the the changes they made to this event are what really made it stay out, stick out last year beyond the fact that it was a champion for the young players, a chance to let these young stars shine. Um, you know, there are eight players in this tournament. It starts out with two groups of four, and they have round-robin group play. The top two players from each group advance mm-hmm. to the semifinals, and from there they play out semifinals and finals. Uh, we'll get into the prize money a little bit later, but to talk about the scoring, you know, in case you don't remember, they don't play sets to six in this. They play these first to four games with a tiebreaker at three all. Uh, to preserve that 12-game total, it's best of five sets instead of best of three. They're playing with no ad scoring. And, you know, to quote them, the point of the shorter set format, it's designed to increase the number of pivotal moments in a match, while the best of five set format does not alter the number of games required to win a match from the traditional scoring format. Rothman, is that a justified explanation? Are you in on this scoring change, or should they just play it, a, you know, like a straight-up tournament? Well, I mean, I think, you know, part of the reason that this is enticing is because of the different scoring. Um, you know, if there was a way to make it a little bit longer, I think I would prefer that. I think everyone wants to see a little more tennis. Um, but I would like the fact that, you know, there's a, a lot of pressure. There's a, a lot of, you know kind of sudden if you want to call them sudden death points with the no ad um so i mean 
obviously we played no ad throughout college and you know it, it makes those points so important and we saw last year how many how important that was for chung i mean chung followed through on a crazy number of uh ad ad points yeah i think that's fair i mean i think especially now the, something that's in the t- tennis community all the time is talking about these scoring changes and so to have a tournament like this where you can do that i think is cool my only sort of reservation with this is in some ways i think it kind of takes away from the tournament because it's like it's treating it just like an exhibition even though it really should be more than that so i I mean i think it's a cool kind of experimental playground ish sort of feel but at the same time does that like hurt its legitimacy at gruskin i don't know you know (laughs) I, i think that's i don't know i think that's just an interesting way to think about it because you look at the tournament and you're like yeah this is great look at all this talent we've got yeah they're young but it's just an incredible field but are we turning it into just sort of experiment? I, I don't know. It, it's an odd feel. I go back and forth on it. Overall, if I had to decide clear cut, I'd say the rule changes might be too drastic. But if they're just doing it to play around and see what works, maybe it's fine. Well, so to play devil's advocate here, you know, you, you look at a comparable event in terms of the informal nature. You think of Laver Cup. Laver Cup, they play with the scoring a little bit. It's an abbreviated third set. You're playing a 10-point tiebreaker. The players are more relaxed, and yet still, because the crowd is involved, because it's such a different format than the usual, it adds to the excitement. It, it adds to, you know, the level of plays increased because of that. And so, you know, at this point of the year, Zverev is pulling out because he's probably, you know, he's playing the actual fi- ATP finals of the year and he probably doesn't want to wear down his body too much. And that's a debate for another time. But you look at a guy like Shapovalov who's pulling out of this event because it's so later and his body's worn down. He's exhausted. They've all played so many matches this year. You want to do something different, something fresh to keep these players' interest because you're afraid, again, you'll see players from now on like Shapovalov and Zverev not playing this because they don't want the wear on their body. So this different format, it, it's just something different, something to keep it fresh. Something that I think that they need to do to bring even you know more of a you know spunk to this tournament <laughs> is make these guys play doubles and do like a little doubles round robin. I, I think there's a way to randomize it where, you know, they, they maybe even play with different partners, even if it's exhibition style. I, I mean, that that obviously makes it potentially less competitive, but how fun would it be to see a bunch of these young guys playing together? No, I, I like think it'd be I think, I like I think the re- sorry to cu- the real move is you have the WTA next gen stars and the ATP next gen stars, and you do a Laver Cup of that, and you just yep. make it one weekend. You have 100%. You know, two team, and that's the perfect format. It's five guys, five girls on each team, or maybe not on each team, but I don't I don't know how to figure. We'll figure out the specifics later. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we'll, we'll have a we'll have a sit down with ATP and the WTA and exactly. we'll, we'll pitch this. And this no, we'll, we'll give it to Dalton and we'll be hosting the CR Next Gen Finals, and you know <laughs> that'll be the next big project. Uh, again, you you talk about the things they do to speed this up. It's up to four. It's no ad scoring. Um, short warm up, only four minutes from the moment the player gets on the court. They have the shot clock, which they introduced last year. Twenty-five second clock in between points to increase the speed of play. They also use it during set breaks, medical timeouts, and warm ups. No lets in this tournament. I love that. And to quote the ATP website, they do it because it brings in an additional element of unpredictability at the start of points. I'm I'm okay with that. I like the no lets. You know why not? If it's going to happen to both players, just play it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. And so you list off all of those different changes and, you know, they add up. They, they do change the game and that's fine. Uh, but Gruskin, let me ask you this. So you talk about the reasons that Shapovalov is, you know, pulling out of this. Do you think he pulls out of this if it's a less sort of exhibition feel with all these, you know, weird rule changes? If it's more of a, just a straight up year in tournament showcasing the talent of young people on the tour as opposed to being turned into something where we're, you know, experimenting with all these rule changes and whatnot. Do you think he plays that or not? Or does that matter? No, I don't think it matters, but Gruskin, you answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think it doesn't matter simply because you look at this year, he played 62 matches in total. Oh, he played a ton. Compare that to last year. Yeah, last year he only played 15, or sorry, 25 ATP matches. Now, that's not including challengers, but still, you talk about the jump in terms of the travel and just the wear on his body. I think for him, 
given that he is still a little bit younger, you know, he's not 21 yet, he still will have a couple more opportunities to play this, it makes sense to me that he pulls out of this. I just feel like with all this, it just makes it like an easier excuse to not play it. I don't know. Like it, this, this to me becomes, even though it's kind of a cool thing, I think it also makes it just an easy tournament to sort of, if you're going to not play one, not play it. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I First of all, I made my answer right before Gruskin went, and of course, in, in classic fashion, we agree. Uh, or maybe not in classic fashion, but in recent fashion, we agree. Um, I think the real issue that I have with it is that because it's something that isn't as serious, like, if I'm him, I play it 100%. You use this tournament to work on something. You're not playing that. I mean, the matches aren't very long. They're no ad. Use this as a chance to go and work on some strokes. If you don't care about the results, you're not playing any more tournaments for the rest of the year. Why wouldn't you go and enjoy the atmosphere being there with those people? Sure, you're a little tired, but suck it up. Like, go there, enjoy it, and, and have fun. But see, here's the thing. Then if, you're, if that's your attitude then like especially from a coach's point of view like okay that's not worth your time especially if his body really is worn down that's the last tournament you need to be forcing yourself to play because that's still hours on the court that's still wear on a hard court you know i mean i don't know i can i can see it both ways i mean is one more tournament that big a deal for you know well people pull out of tournaments all the time because their bodies are worn down yeah so but still i think it just makes it an easy target for like hey if i'm gonna not play one it's this one but it is what it is. He's gone. Who cares? It'll still be a lot of I fun. I mean, yeah, here, here's here's the one thing that I would say, and, and maybe he doesn't care about it at this point, and we were going to talk about this later, Alex, but uh, the prize money. Like, if anything, do it for the prize money. Oh, These guys are making cash on this he'll tournament. He'll be fine no matter what. He's no, gonna, I he's know, but like... Rich. It'll be fine. But it is a lot of money. <laughs> well, you, you talk about... Well, let's get into that now. In terms of the prize money, alternates for the event, if they come there, they get 16000 That's ridiculous. You get 52000 just for participating. Again, Shapovalov is... Dude, you know, Shapo could have shown based up. On his exp- I know. I know. Shown up, I agree made with 52 you. 52 Gs and left. <laughs> and then the I, alternates I can, play. Look, I agree with you. That's why he's Dennis uh. with one N. I, I, I don't know what he's thinking there. He, and, and then each round Robin win... <laughs> $32,000. You come in fourth place, an additional 52. Third place, 78. Runner up, you get 130K. Champion, 235. None of these guys are over 21. They can all use this money. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I agree with you. And if they get injured you know, and can't play tomorrow, they need that money. Well, we've litigated the Shapovalov absence, but while we're on the topic, let's just get this out of the way now. Why the fuck? Isn't Alex Virov playing this tournament? I just don't get it. Like, I, like. Oh, I get it. I wouldn't play it. Because he is an arrogant piece of shit. I guess I'm an arrogant piece of shit. <laughs> well, so I get the argument he doesn't want his body to be worn down for the, the actual ATP finals, which is fine. Whatever. But if I'm him and, you know, his ranking's not adjusting much, it's not like he had a ton of points to defend in Paris, skip Paris. Play this. Prove to... Or, or, you don't have to prove you've been number five in the world for two years, but remind everyone um, why you are the top dog and take this money and, and be like, I am making the easiest $287,000 of my life for participating and winning this. See, Alex, I disagree. It's, it's funny. I, I just, I disagree too. And, and I'm trying to paint this picture clear for you. Alex, if you were in that position, let's imagine that, you had just won back-to-back national titles, and they tell you, oh, you have the option of Less playing in regionals, or you just go and play in the big with the big boys because you know you already deserve to be there, and you've shown it all year. Like, this guy is probably has the biggest head right now. He's probably like, why the hell would I go play with these guys right now? If I can just uh, go have, and play with the big boys. Imagine Sierra being like, damn, I just beat Tsitsipas, I just beat Dimenauer, I just beat, you know, even last year, I beat Chung, I beat Chorich. If he plays these two years, I think he gains the confidence if he's able to beat these other young guys. You see a Chung make a semifinal at the Australian Open, you say, that's bullshit. I just beat this guy, you know, two months ago. We saw Chung win last year's event, catapult to success at the early part of the year. Why not get that momentum, gain the confidence of I am the young up-and-comer? 
Okay. Because of the what if. Yeah. Well, there's what if he does exactly. It? There's that first of all because it's just a lose lose for Zverev because a he plays it. Say he doesn't win it when he's expected to win it because he's been top five. That's embarrassing for him, and he doesn't need more things hurting his confidence because he cannot perform in majors. So I get that part of it. I... A B if he's if he's qualifying for the real one, why would he play the junior one? It's like. If you're if you're 16 and you yeah. can play in Wimbledon, you're not gonna go play junior Wimbledon. Like that's just like stupid. Like that just doesn't. <laughs> okay, make sense. you're right. You're you're obviously right. And I would argue if you can play both, if you know if you make the second week of Wimbledon, then you pull out of the junior event. Otherwise, you play both. Similar to how when Jack Sock won Kalamazoo, he played the pro event, lost I think second round, and then won the junior U.S. Open over Dennis Kudla. So you can parlay times like that into success. But I totally see your point. You're right. He's playing in London. Like, and that is an excuse to skip this event. That You're absolutely right. That being said, you know, f*** London. F*** He's going to play plenty of ATP finals throughout his career. Win one of these. Take home the—just be the top dog. I, I don't know. I would have loved to see him do it. Plus, if you lose, it's the no-ad format. Who cares? Um, can, I, but, can I add a, a, a total non-sequitur that I just kind of want to throw out there? Of course. I think that the previous year's champion should be allowed to go back even if he's not 21. Can I offer a he, counter? The winner of the 21 and under plays the defending champ for the right of the next-gen throne. Perfect. Yeah, Perfect. Dude. Come on. Again. Give me, give, not... give me one of these. <laughs> Westoff, can we get an applause? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree. There again, sometimes they're just yeah. get a room, boys. Yes. All right, let's go. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> That's why we do it on blue jeans. Um yeah, I agree with you. There are there are many ways to make this even more appealing. That being said, I like the spiced format, which is I think what the original question was. Uh, some other things real quick, only one medical timeout per match. Players will be allowed to talk to their coach after each set, but the coaches won't be coming on the court. If you remember last year, they gave the coach's headset. There's a fun interaction between Shapovalov and his dad. I'm sure we'll see things like that again. The 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 other thing, the free movement policy, players in the stands as long as you're not behind or fans in the stands. As long as you're not behind the baselines, get to move around as much as they want. The other thing, and we're going to call this, I believe it's the Fernando Verdasco amendment to the rules. No towel rack. Ball kids, we don't want them to get sweaty. We're sick of players abusing them. The, there will be a towel rack on the court for the players to you know, mend their own towel or use with their own towels. So they've got to make that walk. Maybe that's why Shapovalov said no. He's already hit a line judge with a ball. He doesn't want to risk something going wrong with the towel rack. Um, that, that made me also think of another i'm sorry i've got my mind's all over the place today but (laughs) in in i think basel there the ball boys there used nets to pick up the balls Mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys saw that but it looks so much more efficient revolutionary i think everyone needs to change to that but we we don't need to debate that i just felt like bringing it up the other thing we should say it's hawkeye (laughs) technology making the close calls all there is is a chair umpire and then the hawkeye technology but you know, we've gone this far, and we haven't even really broken down the players. Um, let's do that now, because as we said, this field is probably more compelling, if not equally, to last year's field. Um, we start at the top, Stefano Tsitsipas, who accumulated the second most points of anyone, uh, 21 and under, but still started the year ranked 91, current ranking 16, 45 and 28, has the recent title in Stockholm as well as finals at the Toronto Masters and the Barcelona 500. Two ATP semifinals, five ATP quarterfinals, Wimbledon round of 16. You know, he, he's the only guy who's beaten Djokovic in the second half of the year. He's beaten Alex Virev, Kiachnov, Fognini, Chorich, TM twice, you know, Schwartzman. This guy's the prohibitive favorite, right, Rothman? Yeah, it's funny. I, I was about to say he's the obvious favorite. Um, he's, the, he's ranked the highest, he's had the most success. I think if anyone is going to give him a run for his money, I'm probably going to give it to Tiafo or Rublev. I think those wow. two... Rublev. I think those two... Yeah, I, I think Rublev. Rublev has also had some some really good wins. Rublev, I th- hasn't Rublev beat Pass this year? He's my dark horse. Uh, you would have... 
Andre Rublev has not beaten Tsitsipas this year. But again, oh, Andre Rublev, uh, since we're talking about him real quick, one ATP final, one ATP semifinal, maybe Australian Open third round. Um, he's got two ATP quarterfinals. You know, he was 11-8 and eight before he got injured this year. But before that injury, he had beaten Verdasco, Chorich, Ferrer, Baghdadish, Chardy, Puy, Hassa. You know, he showed a top 50 form. Now, since that injury, obviously, he's gone 6-13. and 13. You know, that's dog <laughs> Uh, but if he can regain that early season form, Jamie, I agree with you. There's no reason he can't be a dark horse. I think my, I think he is my dark horse. I think he's come. I think he's going to come in to this tournament in better form than people expect. People have kind of forgotten about him because he got up into that top 50 and then he dropped down. Now he's what 76. I think people have kind of forgotten about him. I think that'll do well for him. He's got stuff to prove because he's coming back off that injury. He's back. I don't know. I like the game. He just has a solid ground stroke game. He hits the crap out of the ball, and if he's if he's on, I mean, he he has the ability to hit anyone off the court, especially in this field. Um, and so, particularly if it's up against Sitsipas, he's gonna have chances where he can just rip at the ball. Cause Sitsipas has some tendencies to sort of leave balls floating, especially with his backhand. So, like, if that matchup comes, I don't know. I I'd say it's a dark horse opportunity. Also, I, I'm going to give a leg up to anyone who played this last year, and he's one of them. I I, I think knowing the format, the atmosphere is, is always a benefit, especially in a, a weird and new mm-hmm. format like this I think one. that's fair. He's not just one of them. He's the only returning yeah. player. And you're right. That is a factor for me. You know, The one concerning thing about Rublev, you look at his last three Oh, right. Three Shapo results. would have been the other returner. Yeah, and you look at, for Rublev, his last three results, two and four overall, lost Shanghai first round. Lost first round in Moscow to to Kyrgios. Uh, in Vienna, he made the second round, but he lost to Kukushkin in the final round of qualifying. Got in as a lucky loser. Lost to Kukushkin again in the second round. That hurts. You know, for me, we, you guys threw out your dark horses, so I'm going to throw out mine now. Rublev is not a bad choice, but I think the guy we're sleeping on is Taylor Fritz. And Roth, I you knew and I, that was coming. I, we did a most improved changeover chat, and we didn't mention this guy. Starts the year at 104, now down to a career high number 49, 37 and 22 on the year. You know, he's made he's won a challenger. He made a challenger final. No ATP finals, but two semifinals, three quarterfinals. Indian Wells round of 16. Wimbledon second round. U.S. Open third round. The other thing I'll say, and this is why I like Rublev as well, in this abbreviated no-ad format, like any no-ad match, it helps to have a huge— oh, did I, Who did I say? Rublev and Frith. All right, Jamie. I know I got you with your legitimacy, but come on. <laughs> no, I was just trying to help. You said the wrong name. And you were wrong. You just got mad about That's- it. either way you talk about fritz and rublev the things they can do on a no ad points they can whip a big serve out for rublev he can whip out a big forehand at any moment and i think you know on a big no ad point that helps it helps that fritz is a big (laughs) match player he always brings it out for the big matches um he just I think he's got the game with Tsitsipas. The one thing that's still left to worry about is the movement. You know, he can be hit off the court because he's not the most athletic player yet. And again, he's 20 years old. And the fact that he's the only guy who's beaten Djokovic and he's beaten all these guys shows he's incredibly freaking talented. But still, there is a weakness there. I think Fritz, Rublev, those are the two guys really capable in this field of hitting Tsitsipas off the court. I also think if you look at who Fritz has beaten as far as his, you know, high quality wins this season, I mean, he's beaten Ruben twice, Opelka twice, Klon. He's beaten Rublev. He's beaten Zverev. So he's beaten a lot of these younger guys. Not necessarily a lot of high quality wins against the older guys, but maybe he's got a thing for, for beating the guys his age. He kind of knows how to play him. I don't know. Well, I, I think well, that's another potential advantage. Again, last three results for Fritz. He's 5-3. and three. He made the Shanghai round of 32, lost to Query. Lost first round in Stockholm and three sets to Chung. Lost in the Basel quarterfinals to Kopel, who ended up making the finals. You know, Jamie, am I outlandish to say Fritz is the dark? I mean, okay, actually, let's flip this. Even beyond Fritz being the dark horse, my real hot take that I wanted for both of you guys to hear coming into this pod, I think Taylor Fritz had the better season than Francis Tiafa. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, based on his record, for sure. I mean, thirty-seven and twenty-two versus twenty-seven well, and twenty-five. The problem is Tiafo had some had much bigger wins. 
I mean, and I'd also say Fritz gets the challenger circuit boost in terms of that final, that t- challenger right. title. That really helps. They play the same amount of events. He just happened to win those challenger events. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I, uh, I think for me, it's it's a tough comparison because we did see a lot of you know good from Fritz. The problem is we saw flashes of great from Tiafo. And so it's like it's kind of hard to compare those two things. And so like I, I think that's something that we can look forward to in this event is we get to see them, you know, at the same level on the same stage at the same time. And so that'll be great. A ton of shared competition. Maybe they'll even get to go up against each other. Um, but yeah, bottom line, it's kind of hard to compare right now. So ask me in a week. How about that? I love how your take will change in a week. I'll say this. It's a classic example of higher floor versus higher ceiling. I think Taylor Fritz, the serve, the forehand, just the way he's able to dictate from the baseline at any given point, you know what he's going to look like at the very – exactly. Tiafo, like you mentioned, flashes of greatness. He takes out Delpo, Chung, Shapovalov, Edmund, you know, all of these big names throughout the year. When Francis Tiafo plays well, when that forehand slice is dropping in, he's a tough out. And so I also want to say Taylor Fritz indoors. How's that not going to help the serve? I, I'm big on the Fritz. I'm big on the Fritz dark horse. So, you know, we, we didn't talk about the Italian wild cards. We should say Gianmarco Moroni, who is currently ranked 227, Raul Brancaccio, who's currently ranked number 301, and Jacopo Berrettini. Not sure if he's related to the other Berrettini. Currently ranked number 433. You know, we can't imagine them doing a lot of damage. But we'll start with you, Jamie. Again, this is a round-robin format tournament. You don't have to tell me what you think the best or the most equal round-robin is. But in terms of the field you would like to see, how would you like to see the two draws split up? Oh, God. I don't know. Um, I think the easiest way for me to do this is to, like, sort of make sure I see the matches I want to see. So, like, guarantee that I see the matchups so that they're in the same group. So what I would say for that is I want to see Rublev and Damon Auer play each other for sure. So I want them in the same group because I think that's an incredibly fun, just absolute baseline grit match. And I don't want to miss out on seeing that in an event like that. So putting those two in, yeah, it, it would, I don't know. It, like, I guess it kind of sucks if, you know, they want to both advance, but... I don't really care. I want to see them play each other for sure. So let's say we put those two in one. And then I think you split up Tiafo and Fritz. What? Oh, so my counter was going to be put Fritz and Tiafo in the same group as um, whichever Italian wild card comes in. If you want to give them Tsitsipas as well, that's fine. But I need my Americans to get the – Okay, fine. That's an interesting group, right? It's an interesting group, but like I don't know why. They, They play against each other all the time. I don't know. I mean, I guess. You're not wrong there. You're right. I I just really want the Americans to get the win. I think the best path forward is they both get the sure win over – I don't know. You're right. I think that's a lame group though. Like if you see see the two Americans, Italian wild card, and then the overall favorite, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a lame group. But then maybe that makes the other group more fun. I don't know. It it depends if you want to see – I think that's probably the most – it's probably the most equal groups, if you do it like that. It's probably the best well, case scenario. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I would. St- I, I still. Mean, s- I still say. I still say you split up Tiafo and Fritz. I think you got to keep them separate. Uh, not that I have any say yeah, in this in the slightest, think, but you know. No, <laughs> that's fair. I mean, look, Dimenauer is the guy who's going to give everyone the best matchup because he's just a yeah. grinder. He goes out there, he makes balls. It's a fun matchup for everyone. Yeah. I like Fritz over Dimenauer because, or I want Fritz and Dimenauer mm-hmm. in the same group because I think that's the upset Fritz is able to get. I think he's able to hit Dimenauer off the court. I think just with the serve, with the forehands, I don't think Dimenauer can really stretch Fritz, and that's very beneficial, obviously, for him and his performance. I love Tiafo and Tsitsipas in the same group because Tiafo's a big match player as well. And if he's going to bring his A game for anyone in this draw, it's going to be Tsitsipas. I think Dimenauer would frustrate him just by making so many balls. Yeah. So if I'm going to split it up, I'd probably do Tsitsipas, Tiafo together, Dimenauer, Fritz together. Uh, do I think Rublev has a better chance of beating Fritz or Tiafo? I would say Fritz because I think he could hit Fritz off the court and expose his movement. I'm going to say put Rublev in the group with Tiafo and Tsitsipas, 
and I'm going to give that group the Italian wild card because those guys need a walkover win somewhere. Yeah, they need help. And then you put Munar and Herc, and yeah, and then you put Munar and Hercatch in with Fritz and Dimenauer, and they're your groups. I'm in with that. I hope that's how that's fine. That's fine. No, but the thing is, that's just making me more excited to watch Dimenauer because when he is playing well, he is just so incredibly entertaining to watch. So I hope that we get to see some matches where. He's just all over the place. So maybe he is playing one of the bigger hitters in the tournament, and we get to see him just scramble and come up with some shots. Because like when we we saw him playing against Chilich, unbelievable. I want to see more of that. So I hope we get to see something well, that resembles that. But so that's why the closest thing you could get to Chilich Dimenauer, and I know this is a bold comparison, Fritz, Fritz Dimenauer. Yeah. To me, it's and, a similar type of matchups. Big from the baseline, moving him around with the ground strokes, scattering everywhere. It could be fun. It's similar, but if Dimonero plays near the way he did against Chilich, he will win that match so easily. Oh. By the way, Dimonero on ad points for sure gonna outgrind people. People are gonna go for big shots, <laughs> it up. Yeah, Dimonero is just gonna stay steady, and he's gonna win all of those ad yeah, points. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. So then, with that in mind, we've talked about the dark horse again. Mine was Fritz. I believe Jamie's was Rublev. Rothman, did you give your dark horse? Yeah, I mean, I kind of said that I thought that, you know, Rublev and Tiafo might take out. I, I mean, Tsitsipas, obviously, obvi- I think is, you know, the favorite. And then I, I want to, I don't know if you can say Tiafo is a dark horse. Um, I think Dimonauer, dude, I really think that if you look at the fact that it's no ad scoring, he's going to come in clutch. And we've seen it from him in, you know, the deep run uh, in Grand Slams. I, I, I'm a fan. I just don't know if I consider I him. Something... I don't know if I consider him a dark horse though, because he's isn't he like the second favorite? Well, are any of know. these guys really dark horses besides? I don't Munar? know. Like, yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> I think it's, they're it's hard all to, like, pretty where do you comparable. Cut the besides, line. besides Tsitsipas is definitely not. I guess that's true. I don't know. When I first started thinking of it though, it's like, eh, he's. Screw it. They're all young. They can all be dark horses. He's what 33 in the world. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, exactly. Anyone who wins, it's a it's a it's a great accomplishment. We'll do one last thing, and then I'm going to ask you guys for the winner. But again, we talk about this year's field. Just to recap, it's Tsitsipas, Dimenauer, Tiafo, Fritz, Rublev, Munar, Herkatch, and then an Italian wild card to come. Talk about some of the guys who missed this year's field. You know, Michael Moe, just on the precipice, he's number eleven. You had Hugo Umbert, who was number ten. Felix Ogier-Alassim, number 12. Lloyd Harris, who's been killing it on the challenger circuit all year long, number 13. Kasper Ruud, 14. Riley Opelka, 15. Miomir Kasminovich, number 20. And Tommy Paul, number 35. Obviously, you'd want to replace the Italian wild card, but assuming that is not an option, is there any player, Jamie, that you would rather see in the field? Uh, I don't know. I And you can't say Zvira or Shapovalov. Okay, well, I'm going to cheat and say I wish we could bump up the age or make, make, I don't know, make some sort of exception because I really do want to see – I, I kind of want to see the progress. Like look at some of these guys who played this last year and see how they've progressed. So like bring back a Chorich. Bring back a Hatchinov. I want to see that. I, I don't know. Hatchinov. I want to see it's like, okay, is there Hatchinov. a visible – I don't even know who that is. Hatchinov. Hatchinov. Okay. <laughs> I want to see him bring that back so that we can see if there's a visible difference between the people who played this last year and the people who are playing it now. Even though there's only a year of difference age-wise, I want to see if we can like tell that and be like, wow, yeah, this is another level or this isn't. You know, I don't know. That'd be a lot more fun for me. All right. Well, since Jamie won't give a straight-up answer, that was I'm going to go ahead and answer. say str- – No, you, you evaded the question. Straight up FAA. He needs to be in, in this. It, he would be the most exciting to watch. People find his tennis fun. You know, I think he's a good substitute for Chapo, considering they, they play not a, not necessarily a similar style of tennis. Yes, they're both Canadian. They're both young. They're both athletic. They That would be the, the best person to throw in there. I don't want to see Opelka in there. I don't no. want to see big serves on ad no, points. No. That'll be annoying. Mo Mo would be fun to Mo see, but I think of all of them, FAA for sure. Well, Mo's my guy. He won two challenger titles at the end guy. of the year. Imagine an Alex Dimenauer Michael Mo match. It goes five hours, even with no ad. They start playing. Imagine Dimenauer FAA no, match. It it's the same thing. No, but FAA is a big hitter. Mo's a grinder. Also, yeah, Dimenauer is just better. Oh, I would love it. No, that. Mm, I mean, 
the rankings reflect that Dimenauer had a better year in terms of who has a higher upside. Well, Have you seen Michael Moe serve? A way more fun match would be FAA Tiafo. So oh, oh my god, we'll leave that leave that mm. in my stuff. Um, all right, let's talk winner. It's that time, Max Rothman. Your 2018 Next Gen ATP Finals winner is. So, my heart wants to say Fritz because <laughs> I would love to see him win, and I would love to see his really geeky celebration because he doesn't know how to celebrate in a in a you know normal way um pulled out the fifa celebration after a match recently you know the ronaldo pointing at the quad although he doesn't have a strong enough quad to do that um i my head mm, i don't want to say it but tsitsipas I mean, yeah, that's a smart pick. I don't know. I mean, I mean yeah. typical Rothman going with the safe choice, the number think... one seed. No, that's my. I mean, that's okay, fine. Fair. If you if you want my if you want where the other place where my head goes, probably to Dimenauer. I think he might be uh, able to. I didn't talk you, you know. into Fritz. Oh, uh, we're about to no, bring Kale my... on to talk gambling. If Fritz has good odds, that's my bet. Dude, no, my head, <laughs> my head says Tizzy Pass. It's just the obvious choice given his season. Um, you know, even though I think some of that is padded by one exceptional run, I think overall you just look at his wins and it's just by far a notch above the rest of the field. My heart says Damon Hour. When that dude is going, he's going. Gruskin, who do you got? I mean, you guys said Pass for all the obvious reasons. I, again, I'm stubborn. I'm, I love being wrong. That's the theme of 2018. I'm sticking with my guy. I'm telling you, Taylor Fritz is going to serve his way to a title in this one. That that's wow. going to be the difference. He's going to show he would. This is why he didn't play college to tennis. Because why waste his time dominating with that big serve on deuce points? I mean, the guy, the guy loves the second serve ace. I just think, I think he hits I, again. All of this depends on the groups. If he gets stuck in the Tsitsipas Rublev group, that could be trouble. Mm, I'm sticking with him. I mean, don't sleep on Tiafo. Obviously, Dimenauer and Tsitsipas are the favorites. But my guy has got to be Taylor Fritz, and I think that's the pick I'm going with. Perfect. Well, then, with that, Jamie, we, we haven't had the chance to bring you on the Great Shot podcast as much as we would like. Obviously, we value your voice and your opinions, and we want our listeners to hear those opinions. So we're going to end the, the podcast, give you one minute on the clock to give off your takes, everything you've been watching in the tennis world. Let's do it. Westoff, start the clock. All right, so first part, well, you, you sort of alluded to this at the beginning, so I have to talk about it. It's Jack Sock. He better f- take advantage of this draw present he was just given. <laughs> Ridiculous. If he doesn't capitalize on, it, on this, like, I know he's at a crap 2018, but for that good of a player to not be able to take advantage of that, I will be livid. So, I mean, hats off to him for getting a win today against, you know, Gasquet, who had the home crowd. Good for him. He better keep it going. Next is Djokovic. I know we didn't talk about this at all since we were all focused on the young guys today, but I will be so bored if this is just another era, especially if like Nadal's hurt or Federer's not peak, and it's just Djokovic dominating literally everyone, especially since Murray at this point is kind of out of the picture, especially since Favrinka is out of the picture, who was able to hit him off the court. You I swear to God, tongue. if we just sit back and watch people hit unforced errors on Djokovic for two hours straight, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. It's just not fun. It's just, and then he he wins every single match until he has one breakdown, has a horrible loss, and then he gets back on it, wins like three titles, and it's just so boring to watch, and I I can't stand it. All right, there you go. That, uh, well, first of all, you take an un unfiltered shot at my boy Andy Murray. Unbelievable that you would do that. Second of all, I mean, in the same breath, to not experience Federer fatigue, but to fi- experience Djokovic fatigue, the epitome of hypocrisy, if I have ever heard it. Um, no, because it's completely that, different stylistically. Because when Federer is on <laughs> fire, because with, this is the same thing. So if Vavrinka is on fire, if Federer is on fire, if any of these big hitters or just people who have interesting, like really fun to watch games when they're killing it, like that's amazing. You know, they're blasting winners. They're coming up with creative shots. Djokovic, when he's at his best, what's happening is everyone else in the field is literally just missing. They're missing because he's just so good that he can get another ball back, and it's just not fun to watch. 
he just wears them down. And, like, yeah, it's very impressive and good for him. But after, like, two tournaments of that, it is so boring because every single match looks the same. But, he does it the same way. But give Tsitsipas and Zverev and maybe even Kyrgios another year of development. Kyrgios, maybe not, but still, the, the first two. I hope so. Don't you think those guys have big enough games to develop where they can be able to hit him you off the court? You think that? And then point? you go— Let's say he loses a quarter of a step. Dude, if if Anderson and the biggest hitters on tour aren't hitting Djokovic no, off, that's what I'm saying. The not yet. These not guys yet. are. I'm but sorry. it's like you get an informed Djokovic; he's Don't not getting he... hit off the court unless it's they do not. Okay, it's like this is Vavrinka on fire, this. like we saw in the French you're, in like what 2015. You're telling yeah. me Alex Zverev doesn't have a higher upside than Novak or than Kevin Anderson? Like he does, and we've seen Anderson. We've seen. You're the one who's on his forehand in Zverev? the past. You think Anderson's fo- yes? You've bagged on his forehand. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring back the team. I, mean, I may have bagged on it so comparatively, but you're you're literally Gruskin. This is a classic example of you bringing up a counterpoint purely for the sake of a counterpoint that you. Don't <laughs> I even do believe in. it's you. So no, I, think we I need do to stop believe here. I'm gonna dis. Uh, whatever. We can save this debate for another time. All right. It, you know, we're, we're 52 minutes deep. Fligner's already. <laughs> Go ahead and kick me off this so we can get on producing with it. to do. Exactly. Uh, I want to thank you, Jamie, for taking the time to come on as, again, whenever we can get the Holy Trinity together, it's a good thing here at the Great Shot Podcast. Jamie, thank you as always. Absolute pleasure. It's been it's been thank just you an to... honor. Uh, of course. Special shout <laughs> You sound... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Special shout so out fun. to our... our... <laughs> well, a little more editing then. Special shout out to our super producers, Daniel Westoff and Max Fleekner, who have a good job to do as they always do. Maxwell Bauer, I will stick with you for a changeover chat. Jamie, thank you again one last time for all of us here at the Great Shot Podcast. Rothman, what do we say to our fans? Hey, hey great, great shot. shot. Oh, beautiful as always. Yeah.